Welcome to the MWC Church Podcast. MWC Church is a place where you can belong, believe, and become the person God's created you to be. Thanks for joining us online. Everybody's so happy in that video. Look what Community Groups does. That could be your experience after this morning. Have that smile on your face. I am a pastor's kid. Grew up my whole life being a pastor's kid. Do we have any other PKs in the house? Woo! Yeah. Awesome. Shout out. You should have a special place in your heart for PK's church. Just want to say that. So I grew up as a PK, and what that really meant is that I didn't know life apart from community, community groups. We called it home groups, doing life together, always having and building relationships with each other, people in the church, outside the church. And so my whole life, I was always in community around people. Very little of my life were we not with people. That's just how it was. And so this is just a part of who I am. It's in me to have community. But even though I grew up with that my whole life, I had a different perspective on community when I met the Kuzmas. Now, the Kuzmas are my in-laws in the family. My wife, Lisa, her mom and dad, Jane and Larry, and their family, Kuzmas. So it wasn't until I experienced community with the Kuzmas that I see a new perspective, a fresh perspective on what I had experienced my whole life. And Lisa and I grew up about an hour and a half apart by Chicago, and and the first time that I drove down to meet the family was was this amazing experience, and it was in October, it was at night, it was dark, and so I pull up, and, and Lisa comes out and greets me, and I'm about to go meet the family, and I can see this house, and there's lights, and you can see movement inside of the house, so we walk up, and, and we <laughs> open the door, and no joke, it is like the Home Alone scene when Harry's dressed up as a police officer and goes into the McAllister's home, and it's just chaos. Dozens of people, no joke, dozens, probably 30 people are there. There's kids everywhere. There's things up and down the staircase. Things are flying through the air, no joke. It's just, it's amazing. It's chaos. But they're having community. The neighbors were over. Their friends were over from church. They had other family over, and they were just having a party. They were just getting together, gathering together. And I actually, uh, shortly after I arrived, went to go use the bathroom after my hour and a half drive. And one of my mother-in-law's friends said, oh, he's probably going to escape out the window after he experienced the craziness that's happening. Uh, I didn't. So, but, but I experienced the community of the Kuzmas. And I want you to hold on to that, remember that. But I want you to think for a moment, have you had an, an experience like that? Maybe it happened with a group here at church. Maybe it happened with just a gathering of friends and family that you had growing up. Maybe your parents always had friends and family over and you were always around people. But do you have an experience like that where you are just exposed to community, to this relationship? So we're going to come back to that at the end. Hold on to that. I oftentimes judge my community engagement, my engagement with others at the church in this way. And before I say it, I want to preface it with the fact that you may be an extrovert, you may be an introvert, you may like to be in big groups of people, you may not like to be in big groups of people. But I think it's a really good indicator of our relational engagement. When we come to church, how many intentional, honest hugs we go for? 
Okay, now maybe you're not a hugger. I'm a hugger. I'm 25% Greek. That's what I blame it on. And so I, I lo- I'm just boisterous and loud, and we give hugs. That's grew up doing that. So I'm a hugger. You might be a handshaker, a high-fiver, whatever it is. But the, the point is, is that there are specific people that you intentionally go to to greet. And it's not just to say hi, or it's not because we ask you to during a greeting time, but it's because you honestly want to go greet them and say hi to them. Why? Because you have a relationship with them. You've built a community with them, and so your desire is to say hi to them. And so when I come to this place, and it's not because I'm a pastor on staff, but I enjoy greeting dozens of you because I have established relationship with you. We are doing life together, and so I think that's a good indicator of how much engagement you have relationally with others. Actually, a couple weeks ago, I was greeting people as I normally do, and I was greeting one, one of the friends here at church, and I said hi to him, and I, we exchanged some, some cor- correspondence, and there was my other friend that was directly behind him here at church, and I don't know what it was, but my eyes just did not see him. I don't know if it was the light or what it was or what was happening, but I just... I just somehow didn't see him, and so I greeted him, and then shortly after that, he came up to me, and he was like, hey, why didn't you say hi to me? Where was my hug? Where was my greeting? And that pointed out to me this whole aspect of community, of relationship. Why did he do that? Why did he care? Well, it's because we built an established relationship that is ongoing, and uh, he was at service last night, so I did publicly apologize to Jonan for missing him and not giving him a hug a couple weeks ago. But how engaged are you relationally with people here at church or with people in general? So what I want us to dig into, what I want us to sink into our heart is this one basic phrase. This is what we're going to hold on to. If you write anything down, write this. If you remember anything, remember this. Community groups can change the culture. Let me say it again because it's important. Community groups can change the culture. And we're going to walk through this, but what do I mean by change the culture? It's simply that if you're a part of a community group relationally, it's going to affect you. It's going to begin to change you. It's going to begin to change the culture of that group. It's going to draw you closer to Jesus. It's going to help you build each other up in that community. It's going to change the culture around you, where you find yourself in your everyday life. Why? Because as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We are building each other up. We are growing deeper. We're discipling each other so that we can become more like Christ, and that is going to be displayed wherever you are in your life. And because of that, it will change the culture of our world. Because the light of Christ will be shown more in you. They'll be able to see that there's changes happening in you. And it all stems back to the relational engagement that we have with each other. So community groups can change the culture. Because no single person has ever really made significant change in culture. Other than Jesus, and he could have done it all on his own, but he even chose to have community with the 12 disciples. And so nobody ultimately can affect change by themselves. There's always relational engagement. There's always a team. There's always some sort of community behind that. You might see the face of a person. You might hear their name that is said. You might see the actions or the actions of that person might be what's talked about. But ultimately, behind that is community. Behind that is a team or a group that's helped build each other up. 
that is established relationship with each other. And why is that? Well, ultimately, I want you to understand today that we are designed with community. God designed us to want to and desire relationship. He put that in us. He created that in our innermost being, that we would want to establish relationship with each other and that we would want that to be a regular part of our life. We see it in the Bible. Back at the creation, it says, in the beginning, God created everything. He created all things, sky, land, water, trees, animals, plants, and then towards the end of creation week, he makes man. He makes man and woman. But it, the scripture says that he made us in, our, in their image. In the image of God, he created man, and it specifically is in the plural. It says they. Well, what is it talking about? It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We call that the Trinity or the Godhead. It's this idea that there, there is only one God, but there are distinct roles and personhoods that they display. But even from the beginning, we see that God in his idea of creation and what he created, he established community. We see that with Adam and Eve. He said he created Adam and everything else, and he said there's no suitable helper found. There's no, nobody that Adam can relationally connect to, and so out of Adam, he created Eve. Why? Because he established that inside of us, at the very core of who we are, to be relational. We see it with the disciples that Jesus chose these men, that they would be a part of this community of disciples, that they would learn and see and experience all that Jesus did in his about three years of ministry on earth, but then they would go out and establish that for the rest of the world, establish the church and establish the relational building in the entire world. We see that there. And then we see it in the scripture passage we are looking at in Mark 2, that we looked at last week and we'll continue to look at this week in these five friends that we're gonna talk about. And so I want you to keep in mind that there's, there's these three basic innate connections that we have when it comes to community, when it comes to this relationship that God has established in us, and that's community with our maker. God said in the beginning, he created everything. And so there is this connection relationally that we have with God, our maker. He's the one that created us, formed us, Every part of us knew us before we were born, established that for all humanity. So we have connection with him. We have community relationship with our Savior. And that's God the Son, Jesus, who came and saved us from ourselves, who came and died and rose again and took away the penalty for death that we deserved but could not pay because of our disobedience against God. And so we have our relationship with Jesus that he's established in us. And then we also have relationship with our neighbor, just anybody else around us that we desire to connect to. So let's get to our scripture in Mark chapter 2. You can turn there if you have a Bible, and it will also be on the screen as we process these scripture verses. In the Bible, the book of Mark chapter 2, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. So many gathered there, there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Jesus, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Incredible story. Incredible display of a community group. I want to pull out some key items that I find in this scripture. And the first that's very important to note as we're discussing this relationship building aspect of community groups is that Jesus went where there was community. We see all through the retelling of the story of Jesus, and that's in the Gospels, the, four, the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see that most of the time, Jesus was going to where the community was. In fact, the times that he wasn't going was only when he went to a solitary place to pray and to seek God. But we see him go to homes. We see him go to the countryside where people were. People saw him and came to him. He went to also the temple and the synagogue to speak to people, to speak to the religious leaders. So he would go where there was community. Very important to note this aspect, that he just didn't stay behind or isolate himself, but he, de he desired to go where there was community happening. Well, because he was doing that, there was this group of five guys that were relationally building together, and they were able to establish that Jesus is present because we've heard that he's out among the people, and so they desire to go to him. But that brings us to the next point I want to pull out of this text is that because these guys were building relationship with each other, because they were connecting with each other and doing life together, they were also able to recognize the need in the life of the group. And that's important for us because when we stay isolated, when we don't have community, when we're not in community groups, when we're not building relationship with others, it's really hard to identify and establish a need for each other if we're not together. But these guys recognized that there was a need, and because Jesus allowed himself and put himself in the community, they could go to him and bring their friend to him. And so what I see happening in this passage of scripture is that these men had an honest, open, and transparent atmosphere that culti begin cultivating change in their culture, in the culture of their hearts, and the culture of their group. Remember, causing change, affecting them as they grow together. So they had honest, open, and transparent conversations. The Bible says it was their faith, it was because of their faith that the man was not only healed, but that his sins were forgiven. So at some point, they were communicating with each other and being honest, open, and transparent. But even the paralyzed man, he was paralyzed. He really had no choice in the matter. However, because it says their faith, I do believe that he had a strong level of faith that Jesus could do the miraculous in his life for Jesus to heal him and to forgive his sins. But at some point, these guys, because they were building relationship and they were together, they weren't isolated, they recognized the need in their friend, and there was a conversation that happened. Either the paralyzed man said, Guys, have you heard Jesus is here? Obviously, I can't get there. So can you guys take me there? 
Or the reverse happened, and, and the four friends said, Jesus, we've heard about him. He's doing miracles. He's among the people. Let's get you there and see what God can do. See what Jesus will do. Will, will he heal you? He's healed others. He's performed the miraculous. And so at some point, they had this discussion and decided, let's go. Let's get to Jesus. Imagine the change in culture that was beginning to happen in them because of their faith. And not only were they looking for healing, I'm sure that they didn't expect the man's sins to be forgiven for Jesus to save him. That was bonus. But Jesus did that anyway to show the people and the religious leaders that he really had power, that he really was God, and that he came for a purpose, and he wasn't just any man. But he came to do that, and so it was because of their faith. So it not only changed the culture of this group, this community group of guys, but it also changed the culture of the whole community that was in the room. Everybody saw it. Everybody experienced it, and it said they've never seen anything like that. Imagine the change that began to occur in that community. Right there where all those people were, what they began to say to each other, what they began to tell and spread about what was happening, about what Jesus was doing. Community groups can change the culture. And imagine how much this community group blew up after this event. Who doesn't want to be in the group of the guys who had so much faith that they brought their friend that the man who couldn't move was healed and walked out of the place? Their community group blew up after that because community groups can change the culture. But here's where you come in because your participation promotes that change. It has to begin with you. It has to be with you for there to really be change that happens for us really to affect the culture of ourselves, of our groups, and of our world. And that's the culture that we want to change going towards Jesus, being able to tell more people about Jesus, allowing Jesus to have the opportunity to save more people. That's the change in culture we want, and that's going to happen with you, and it's only by your participation there. But in order to allow that change to happen, we have to have an honest, open, transparent conversation with ourselves to establish where we're at, to establish what does this mean with relational engagement? Where am I at? Am I engaging relationally with others at church? Am I a part of something that's bigger than me? Am I allowing others to help me be strengthened and built up? Am I allowing others to recognize a need in my life and the reverse to help me recognize the need in others' lives? realizing that that's in me. The design that God had was never just, I got me and Jesus. Jesus is all we need in terms of salvation. He's the only one that can save us. He's the only one that can give us the ultimate fulfillment in our lives. He's the only one that can fill that void. Yet, it was never supposed to be just, I got me and Jesus. There was a band called Stellar Cart that growing up I used to listen to, and they had a song all about community, and the chorus said, you got me and Jesus. This whole idea that it's not just me and Jesus or you and Jesus, but it's us and Jesus. It's community. It's relationship building with Jesus at the center, but yet we're growing together, and we're sharpening each other, and we're establishing connection, and we're recognizing needs in our lives. So it's you got me and Jesus. Because you need a community group, and a community group needs you. You need a community group so that you can help others recognize a need that you might have in your life. Help others to 
be able to build you up and help you draw closer to Jesus and to help you establish a deeper relationship with Jesus and with others. And a community group needs you because they need your advice. They need your prayer. They need you to recognize the need in others' lives. And we need it so that we're not isolated, so that we can promote change through the participation of relationship building. But the kind of community that we don't want and we don't need is the community that I currently have with a mouse in my house, okay? I don't want him there, but he comes anyway. He eats my food. He scares me a little bit, but he keeps coming back, okay? That's, that's not the kind of community we need there. So what are you to do? What simply can you do is that if you're not involved with community groups, that you would pick one or two or more that you could join, that you could be a part of. Why? Because it's all about this idea that we are going to build relationship with each other, that we can be built up in Christ, that we can have a bond that's stronger than what we can do individually, and because it's in us. We're designed this way to have the relationship engagement with others. Why? Because community groups can change the culture. It's just what's going to affect change in us and those around us. You've probably heard it said, it takes a village. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to do something else. Well, I say to you, church, this morning, that it takes a community group. That that's what it's going to take to create this change in our culture. And I want to encourage us that there are many things in the Bible that oftentimes seem difficult to navigate, difficult to understand. What, what is God saying in this verse? What is God saying in this book to me? But then there are many aspects that are very obvious and very easy to understand what God is trying to speak to us through his word that was given to man, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, to write down in this book for us to know who God is, what Jesus came to do, and how to live for him. And so one of those obvious things to me is simply that we need the church And when I say church, I'm talking about the global church, that's churches all over the world, and the local church. Our local church is MWC Church. It's very clear that that God established that, that Jesus is the head. It talks about the local church being part of the body of Christ, that we each have a component and a participation in the local church. But it's also very obvious to me that God created us, that part that he created in our innermost being was to go much deeper than just gathering. It's got to go farther than just gathering. See, he wants us to be here. He wants us to corporately come together and worship and hear the word of God and share life together, but more than just coming, sitting next to each other, saying hi, singing, listening, and then going home. He wants it to go farther than the gathering of the local church. He wants us to be building relationship with each other. And I want to move into what this looks like even outside of this place because we need the local church, we need community, but what does that look like in every other aspect of our life? Remember, we saw from Mark chapter two that Jesus went where the community was. He went there and most of the time it was outside the temple or the synagogue or in our context, it was Jesus left the church. Jesus went where there's community, but it wasn't most of the time at church. He went to where the people were everywhere else in the community. So we need to look at that because I strongly believe, firmly believe that we have to have healthy, strong community groups in our church. 
The community groups that we have need to be healthy. They need to be Bible and Jesus-centered. They need to be people doing life together and building each other up and growing more in Jesus and with each other and helping each other, recognizing the needs. We need that. Those need to be strong. I believe they are, and that's why we want you to join them if you're not and participate. That's why we have them and we preach about it because it's so much a part of what God created us for, and it's, and it's how we can grow Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So we need those strong community groups in the church, but it's also almost equally important that we establish community in our world. And when I say our world, I'm talking about wherever you find yourself outside of this place, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, in your extracurricular activities for yourself, for your your kids and your family. Wherever you find yourself, we need to establish community there. We follow Jesus' example. He went to the community all over outside of the church. And so we want to do that as well, establishing community so that we're not just exclusive here, but that we're inclusive and we're realizing there's people we need to reach out there as well. Because I think community is as natural as hunger pains. We all get hungry. And we eat a meal, and we're satisfied for a little while, right? We don't really think about, I mean, I, I constantly think about food. Even if I've eaten, I'm thinking about my next meal. Ask my wife. I'm eating lunch. I'm asking her what's for dinner. I love food. And so, but there's the aspect that we eat, and we feel satisfied, and we go about our day until, oh, hunger pain. We get hungry again. Well, relationally, I believe that it's like that as well, because Jesus established us in how he created us. And so we gather with family, with friends. We gather in a a place like this, an atmosphere of church. We're with coworkers, whatever it might be. Maybe you're part of a sports team. So you get that fill of relationship, but then there comes a point where when you don't have that, you begin to desire. And it doesn't matter what your personality is. It doesn't matter if you like groups of people or not, or if you like people in general or not, or if you're an extrovert or introvert. At some point, there is a level of desire, a pain, to want to have relationship with somebody, with somebody. We have to have that. That's in us. And so we need to go out into the community. We see it all over the world. We see clubs and groups and activities that all involve this idea of relationship building in a community group. It's there. How do I know this? Let me tell you. When I was nine years old and my brother was eight years old, my brother Jared, we were going to family camp. It was a a church camp that in Illinois, there was a big camp, the district camp we went to. And some of you, yeah, I got a a pound up in the air on that one. So we we would go to our, our family camp. And in Illinois, the camp is very big. Couple hundred acres, many buildings, it's very big. And so they oftentimes are renting out the facilities to other groups, other church groups. And so we're going there for family camp. My parents drop us off at the activity center. They take us to the front door, and then somebody leads us in. And we go in, and they seat us in a a gymnasium, an auditorium that's about this size. And the only seats left were in the front. Every other seat was packed, the place was packed. I'm nine, my brother's eight. We get seated in the front. And we quickly acknowledge that this room is full of girls. We are the only boys in this room. So that quickly began to disturb us as to why there's a room full of girls at nine and eight years old. We don't want to be by any girls. And so it hadn't started yet. And then this lady in uniform comes up to the stage and she begins to talk. 
and the horror of my brother and I to find out that we are smack dab in the front row of a Girl Scouts convention. Okay, and we had no desire to infiltrate the community group of the Girl Scouts. That was for somebody else. And so uh, I don't remember what we did, but somehow we got out of there and got out of that group. We had no desire, no hunger pains to be a part of the Girl Scouts at all. But what does that establish? That there are community groups everywhere. And it's not, you don't have to be a believer that comes to church and there's a board on the back wall and they tell me, I got to be a part of this group thing. And so that must be what we do when you're a Christian and you, or you come to church, that's what you do. It's not that. Why? Because he created it in us and it's everywhere. So that's why we have to establish not only strong community groups in the church, but we also have to establish relationship building outside of this place. So what I propose that we do is bring the front porch back. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. Some of you might just, what front porch? My front porch is like a little cement slab. It's not much of a front porch, but it's this idea that back in the day, people went outside. They went to their front porch. They went in their backyard. They had a barbecue. When people passed by, they said hi, and they waved back. They actually, don't get too freaked out, invited them to come over. Hey, you're walking by. Why don't you come over, sit down, talk? We've gotten away from that with just the change in culture that I think has negatively affect this relationship building aspect, this engagement in relationship. So I propose that we bring the front porch back. And in light of Mark chapter two and the idea that the men had to lower their friend into the house, let's make sure the sunroof is open at our house so that they can be lowering in the people with need. We need to bring back this aspect that we realize that it's not just about what happens here, it's not just about what happens in our group, but it's what's happening all around us in our world, what's happening around us in our everyday life. We need, we need to do that. There, there's 32 homes on my street. I live on a smaller street. There's 32 homes, and we've been there about two months. Now, I don't know if it's the weather or what, but it's pretty much a ghost town on my street. I hardly see any movement. I'm serious. Hardly any movement at all. I didn't think anybody lived next to us. I've seen a car once, and it was like this woman in the car, she looked kind of skittish and pulled in her driveway real fast. That's the one time in two months that I've seen any movement on our one neighbors. We've met our neighbors on the other side, and it turns out they're pastors. So it's like, well, if, if I don't have somebody that I can tell about Jesus, might as well have a pastor next to me, living next to me. That's cool. So, but there's 32 homes, and what we plan on doing is this whole idea that some of you probably remember this whole idea uh, going along with the front porch that when somebody moved into the neighborhood or on the street, you went over and greeted them. Sadly, I haven't had anybody come to our door, and I beat the pastor next to me to the punch when she was out with her son bringing in their garbage, and I, it was after a Wednesday night service, and I was so excited that uh, I saw a neighbor that I pulled into my driveway and went over. It was kind of creepy because it was dark out and I was like, hey, you know, they, they hadn't met it, you know, we just moved in. But um, I was like, I'm the neighbor, you know, all creepy. And uh, so, but, but nobody else has come. I've had, you know, a few exchanges of hands and I don't even know if they live on our street when they're driving by. I'm not sure somebody's maybe using it for a through street, but my intention is that we do the reverse and I don't know if we'll bring a dozen cookies to all of them, but we'll at least go over a course of time, as it gets warmer, and go greet the people on our street 
establish a relationship connection with them. Why? Because I want to build community, not only here, but I want to build it there because my engagement relationally with them will change the culture of their life and will change the culture around my street and around the people that I build community with and build relationship with there. This story in Mark chapter 2 with the paralyzed man, it's such an incredible story. It's one of those stories in the Bible. All, all the miraculous things that Jesus did were amazing, and this is just one of them that just blows our mind, and it's just so cool to see the faith of these friends that bring their friend and all of that, and he gets healed. But what I want us to not neglect is something very crucial in the story that did not happen. And that's simply this, that it says the house was packed. These guys had to lower him through the roof. Why? Because there were so many people. But what we don't see is nobody recognizes, whoa, hey, you guys see that? There's four guys carrying a guy on a mat. It looks like he can't move. Nobody's in the house going, make a hole. We got a paralyzed man. He needs to get to Jesus. Get out the way. Let him through. Nobody does that. They have to go on the roof and dig a hole and lower him down. Very extravagant. It makes for a great story, but it doesn't make for a great aspect of relationship building when everybody wanted Jesus and they've had it packed, but they weren't willing to make a way for a man to get to Jesus. And so what we don't want to do is have that idea. And some of the most amazing groups out in the world reflect a lot of what the Bible says about community. And one of those groups that I've been a part of before are firefighters. I don't know if we've got any firefighters in the house or somebody who participated there, but I had the opportunity to be a fire chaplain where we were last. And to see what they do, I mean, they will do anything for each other. They will do anything for anybody else. Yes, they're there to save lives, but their life reflects a lot of the biblical values. And most of them that I've experienced when I was at the fire department that I helped out at, um, they, most of them were not believers. So they were displaying all these attributes of relationship building and how Jesus wants us to be in community and not even knowing Jesus, but remember, it's in us. So I want to read 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8, and they exemplify this, and this is what I want our heartbeat to be about community. Verse 8, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Can we be a church that cares so much about people that people have become so dear to us inside the church and our groups, but also outside in the rest of the world that we not only want to share the gospel, but we want to share our lives with them as well? We want to share our lives that, that, we, that we are so dissatisfied if we're not a part of a group because we want to share our life with those people inside of our church, and that because we're so moved having so much care for the people in our world, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our workplaces, and we care so much that we want to share the gospel, but we're also going to share our lives with them as well. But I want to caution us because what we don't want to happen is have our idea and our characteristic of community look like this. Let's make sure that our community groups and our relational engagement don't look like that. We want to do that. Well, you remember uh, I began talking about the community with the Kuzmas. You see, what's so powerful about what I experienced was a result of relationship building and a result of community. And it started with someone who invited Lisa's older brother to go to church. See, my, my in-laws and their family, the Kuzmas, they grew up devout Catholic. And so they would attend the, the Catholic church and they went there. And so 
Mike had a friend who invited him to go to another church. And so he decided to go with, and there he experienced and got saved and asked Jesus to come into her life and come into his life. And they understood about God because they had gone to the, the Catholic church and they were a part of that. But uh, Mike experienced a new aspect of Jesus and asked him to come to, into his life. And so because of that, uh, my mother-in-law, Jane, would be dropping Mike off at church at Joliet First Assembly of God. And she thought, well, we, we go to the Catholic church. We've been going to that. If I'm dropping off Mike to go to Joliet First Assembly of God, and then I'm driving over to go to, to our church, why don't we just go to church with Mike? And so then they go to church with Mike. And then uh, my mother-in-law, Jane, experiences Jesus in a way that she never has before to this point and asks Jesus to truly come into her life that she can live for him. And then much of the rest of the family also got saved through that experience. And so it started with relational engagement, somebody on the street in the neighborhood who knew my in-laws and their family to invite Mike to come to church to experience Jesus. But then it didn't stop there because Remember, I had that whole scene that I walked in and there's the neighbors and there's family and there's friends. Well, what happened is that because there already was a relationship established because of God creating that in us, the neighbors next door, the Martins, Jan and Ange, then were invited to come to church because they had a relationship. They spent a lot of time together. And so my in-laws, they invited them and then they ended up getting saved. And then it began to spread and, and it was all results of community. It's all a result of people saying, I'm going to establish relationship, and I know what it is to be in the church, but I want to establish relationship outside of my church. And so they established that in their neighborhood. And then people began to get saved, and then they established this community in the neighborhood with family and friends, and it exponentially has, has gone on with people getting saved. It's, it's the result of having two pastors' wives on staff, Lisa and Katie, who before that whole experience, life might have been different. But as a result of community group, as a result of somebody wanting to be relationally engaged with somebody on their street, people accepted Jesus as the savior of their life. Community groups can change the culture. Your personal culture, the culture of your group around you, and the culture of the world through that relationship engagement. Being a part of a group, something that's bigger than yourselves, recognizing that God put it in us to do so. And so I want to just take a moment, if we can take a couple minutes to respond, to decide what are you going to do with this? So if you're a part of a community group already, it's you establishing what does God want me to do? Who does God want me to reach maybe outside of this place? Or you might not be involved in a community group at all. It's for you to acknowledge, do I need, can I take that step to be a part of a community group? Or maybe you're here and you say, I don't even have this idea of relationship with Jesus I don't have community with my maker or my savior. I don't know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with him. Well, simply it's just asking Jesus to come into your life, realizing and admitting that we've messed up, that we've disobeyed God, that we live for ourselves, believe that Jesus did die, that God raised him from the dead, and confess before him that Jesus, I need you. So if we can just close our eyes because I wanna give two calls to action today. And the first is simply, if you are here and you say, I need first and foremost to have this relationship component with Jesus. I need to have community with my Savior, and I've not asked him to come into my life to forgive me of my sins and accept him as the one who saved me. 
And simply acknowledging by raising your hand that you desire to do that and pray a simple prayer, just asking him, inviting him into your life, would you be bold enough to raise your hand and say that I need Jesus to come into my life today? So church, we're gonna just pray this together with the individuals that wanna ask Jesus to come into their life. So if you are raising your hand, it's simply repeating this after me, but believing in your heart. So let's pray. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I admit that I have disobeyed you. I've lived for myself. Come into my life. I believe that you are God. Please forgive me and help me to live for you. Amen. And that's all it is. You've asked Jesus to come into your life. Now, if you have Jesus in your life and you're involved in community, what is your call to action? It's what are you going to do from here? Have you been involved in relationship engagement to the level that's in Scripture, that the Bible displays that we talked about, to the level that you would believe that Jesus is leading you to? Is there involvement outside of the church that you're building relationship with people elsewhere? So let's take a moment where we're not just leaving with information. We're not just leaving hearing the word priest or hearing a call to action, but taking a moment to establish what we're going to do and what God wants us to do. So we're going to worship. We're going to sing and worship. And as we do that, take a moment between you and Jesus and ask Jesus to clearly communicate through the Holy Spirit of God what is your next step. What does God want you to do in terms of community group and relationship engagement in the church and outside where you are? So sincerely just seek God and then I will come to dismiss us and close us. Church, would you stand with me as we close? Jesus, we do thank you today for all that you do in our lives. Lord, help us to continue to recognize and believe and accept the fact that you created us to have relationship and you desire through community groups to change the culture, to change us as we are helping each other draw closer to you, Jesus, but also to affect change in the culture outside of this place changing the culture towards you, helping them to see you displaying your love in our everyday life. So help us to fully believe that and receive that and act upon that, that we would be a church that is so deeply connected that it goes beyond gathering, that we're recognizing needs among those who are here, that we follow your example, Jesus, to go out to where the community is outside of this place and that we would establish that relationship connection inside the church and outside. Help us to continue to live for you and may we serve you in everything that we do. Amen. If you did ask Jesus to come into your life for the first time, we want, to, we want to applaud you and say you made the best decision of your life. Church, can we just say how well done to those who've asked Jesus to come into their life? That's the best decision you can make. 
If you did make that decision to ask Jesus to come into your life, if you wouldn't mind just going to the Welcome Center to fill out a Connect card if you haven't or to acknowledge and see Jacob and just be able to tell him, I accepted Jesus. One of the most powerful things you can do after you ask Jesus into your life is to tell somebody about it. So we encourage you just to share that with Jacob, that we can be praying for you and walk you through next steps, and then also that you can tell your family. I encourage you to do that. Well, thank you again for being with us. I hope that you are inspired by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God to be connected. Simply that, that we begin to build relationship. And so join a community group. Enjoy your groups today, if they happen today or going on into this week. Be a part of those. We love you. Have an amazing day. And may you serve Jesus in everything you do.